Shelby and Matt. Yes, yes, yes. For a split second, I thought about trying to do the Belgian accent or whatever it is that Hercule Poirot is doing. It's French, isn't it? No, he's not from France. I'm pretty sure it's Belgian. (laughs) Okay. Because I have read multiple of these books, and I'm pretty sure that is like a reoccurring joke in them. That that they're like the little Frenchman, and he's like, I'm not French, I'm from Belgium. I am Belgium. And Belgian? I'm from Belgium. I'm not from Paris. I like the murders. I like the mystery. But I do not but believe God. And I am deeply sad. I like donuts. Every I like morning, donuts. <laughs> I have I a like box pastries. delivered to my villa. And every afternoon, I, I have another. I don't remember anything about my girlfriend I got at the end of the last movie. But Okay, we're we're venturing into, <laughs> I feel like, some problematic territory with these accents. Uh, no, it's Shelby. not problematic to do. It's um, not problematic to do French. But do I what? think where you're going might be you know i'm not I i'm not sure that it. accent was solidly was still in france i think it was I... heading towards <laughs> possibly calcutta no <laughs> um no but i i think um i was surprised that this came out so quickly because we did death on an aisle like last year i swear yeah 2021 2022 I remember Death it so vividly that I literally thought and it was enough last year. champagne to fill it. I think it <laughs> probably was last year. I think it was 2022 because it was the beginning of the year, so that would have been a year and a half ago. Yeah, I think that's when it was. Um, I think it was early 2022 is when the movie came out. Yeah, so that one we did an episode on. I hated it, but also loved it because it's hysterical how bad the CGI is. Like I honestly, you know, that trend about like how often the do you think about the scene Roman on the rocks. Yeah, it's <laughs> yes. like I think about yeah, I think about the CGI um, pyramid probably more than I have any business thinking about it, but. Just that I little think... boy, little man holding his kite on the steps of the pyramid. Enough Honestly, champagne to kill or to to kill the Nile. That as well. <laughs> Enough champagne to fill the Nile. And then yeah, and then the the boulder almost hitting them as they have as they make love on the side of the Sphinx yes. or whatever. She's like grinding in on him. She's yes. like, I am quoting Shakespeare. And then it's like, oh <laughs> Yeah. So I never saw Murder on the Orient Express. I I saw Death on the Nile and was underwhelmed. Um, to say the least. I felt like it was really flat, really uninteresting, and very badly edited and uh, CGI'd. <laughs> well, have you seen either of... Have you seen either of, like, previous versions of either of those movies? Or have you read the books of, I, of either of those books? <clears throat> no and no. Um, okay. I, Are you, have you I've read any I've never been, like, Agatha a mystery Christie? lover. Like, I've never okay. been, like, a whodunit lover. And I think the exceptions to that are the growing trend of like, you know, Knives Out, which is fun, not because it's like, well, who done it, but more because it's like Eat the Rich and there's a lot of, you know, interesting 
dialogue and examination around like wealth and class structures and all of that. And so these sort of like, like even with novels, like I just don't, I don't like a lot of them because it just doesn't like, I don't know, you kind of know the formula at one point. So it's like, even if you don't guess the twist because it's absolutely bonkers or whatever, it's like, you can't be surprised because it's like this, this is meant to surprise. You know what I mean? It's probably how you feel about watching superhero movies. I guess maybe that's true. Um, <laughs> where I'm just like, okay, yeah. No, I love yeah. a murder mystery and I really do like Agatha Christie. I yeah. read a lot of her books when I was younger. Um, I've seen the old movie versions of both Murder on the Orient Express and Death on the Nile. I've also read both of those books. Um, I've read plenty of her other ones. So I think for me, going into Murder on the Orient Express and then again for Death on the Nile, it's like, I already knew the storyline. I already right. knew who was going to be killing who. So mm-hmm. the movies were less exciting for me, even though I love Agatha Christie, just because it's like the exciting part is not knowing. And after I've read the book and then seen a movie right. version that's good, to then see a worse <laughs> movie version is like, wow, this is just really mind numbing. But I think the benefit of this third one, because the first two. Kenneth Branagh has been doing these. Like, he's the director. He's the one who's sort of, like, helming this. He's the one playing Hercule Poirot. I think. Yes. And so for the first two, he picked, like, two of Agatha Christie's biggest books and just did them pretty straightforward as they are in the book for the most part. I mean, some of the side characters and stuff he trimmed, but, you know, for the most part. And... For this one, when it was announced that it was a haunting in Venice, I was like, I don't remember this book. (laughs) I've definitely never read it, and I don't know the storyline. So maybe that will be more interesting for me because I don't know what's going on. And then come to find out, it's based on this book, Halloween Party, that's set like in a manor house in England. They changed it to Venice. And then after I'd seen the movie and I wrote a review of this for a parade, so I was like doing more research, I realized that basically the book and this movie are completely different yeah. storylines. It's like a different kill. They're killed in a different way. Different the characters. Yeah, it's different characters. Really, the only thing that's similar is that there is a apple bobbing element at some point, <laughs> And some of the characters' names are the same. But in the book, a little girl. A party. Yeah, and it's a Halloween party. <laughs> in the book, the a little girl is like drowned while apple bobbing. And that's sort of like the mystery that they're having Ouch. to solve. Where this, there's a girl who jumped off slash was pushed <laughs> uh, off of like the top floor of a old house in Venice and so they're kind of trying to figure out what happened to her but mostly Perot is going to this event because it's a seance that he's trying to like um you know debunk and that is not an element at all in the original the seance thing yeah. so i i do think that it's interesting that rather than pick another of the well-known ones that Kenneth Branagh went in a completely different direction and picked a little known Agatha Christie book and then decided to change it instead. So for all intents and purposes, this is a b- original story. This is like an original yeah. mystery that they came up with. And I feel like in general, the mystery element worked pretty well for me. I thought the end was like 
fairly satisfying for this being something that they came up with themselves. I was like, this was not half bad. Um, And I did find myself enjoying this, I think, more because I was just like, oh, I wonder who did it. Oh, I think it's this person. Oh, now it's a twist. You know, like there's definitely stuff that I will be nitpicking about it. But I felt like as a theater going experience, this was like fun enough, Um, especially if you're looking for something Halloween-ish that's not like a gory horror movie, but still like kind of creepy. I feel like this fills that slot nicely. Yeah, I think right away it's stronger than Death on a Nile because the production value is much different. It's very, very much like, you know, you're in a closed room for the most part and it happens to be a beautiful set and any shot of Venice is beautifully done and it's not CGI and it doesn't look like so cheesy. Um, The style of this film is really, it is really well done and beautiful, like every it's very gothic it's very focused on space and so the house itself becomes a character and so you have a lot of like jumping jolting shots of different details as this as this um what's it called a house in venice has a special name that i don't remember the oh the the villa thing well it used to be the like a home for uh like children it was an orphan an orphanage and during a during a breakout of world disease two no (laughs) no it was it was in the past further i think it was like a cholera breakout or something oh okay the nuns and doctors locked all the children up to die instead of caring for them um so supposedly it's haunted by these children so it's like yeah it it's definitely set up as a supernatural sort of like paranormal ghost story. Like, is this real? Is it, is it a solvable case or is it something more, you know, otherworldly? So there's a lot of more jump scares and more like horror genre tropes. Like, you know, never trust a mirror. <laughs> um, always look both ways before you round a corner, that sort of thing. Um, all in all, I felt like it was definitely better than Death on the Nile. And that's my only like, you know, comp piece. But I did feel like by the end of it, I was just kind of like, huh, I wish <laughs> I wish they'd like built it up differently so that the payoff was more interesting. Because the characters uh, okay. to me didn't like really work and the motivations yeah. didn't really make sense. And in the end... It just was kind of like another monologue to solve the story. But I don't know. There's something like annoying about like not having laid the groundwork properly to like justify a sort of batshit monologue in the end. Um, And I don't think this was the worst. Like this isn't like watching like that dumb (laughs) – I always think of the – the magician's movie with Paul Giamatti and the camera just like circles around him as he slowly applauds as his brain like solves it in the final, the final. I thought you were going to say now you see me, which (laughs) I was like, the illusionist, the illusionist. See, I sort of like the illusionist, but I haven't mm. seen it since like 2007. So who knows (laughs) if it's good or not at this point. Yeah. Jessica Um, Biel's in that. Um, the, yeah. So I, I think there were a couple of strong elements at the start. I think the first like third of this movie is the best third yes. because one Perot is retired. 
He is not taking cases. He's just hanging out in Venice and he's visited by Tina Fey, who is like a cr- uh, like a mystery writer. And I honestly think that this might be one of Tina Fey's better performances in a movie. Um, oh, yeah, she's got the mad cap. She's like, I'm a I'm a p- reporter. I'm a writer. Yeah. I'm straight out of the 1950s beat. Like, give me a, give me a smoke, Charles. <laughs> like, we're ready to go. <laughs> she is doing a sort of wild accent, but it's like just tame enough that it's somehow doesn't seem like as cuckoo bananas as some (laughs) of her characters are like when she was the drunk therapist or whatever in um in kimmy schmidt i was like okay we have to like rein this in a bit and so i I thought that this worked with her sort of like i'm a smart girl shtick that usually works for tina fey and so i was excited to see her i thought that she was a joy and that her lines were a lot of fun and she seemed to be having fun with the character. And so she takes him to this seance and is sort of like, I've been trying to figure out the solution to this and I need your help. And so the two of them go, of course, there's some other like random characters lurking around the house who join them in the seance as well. The person conducting the seance is Michelle Yeoh, who is also just having a blast she's She's like screaming she's clawing at her face she's spinning around in circles she's just like doing the most in in a great way and i was excited to get to spend the whole evening with her except spoiler alert the murder victim is michelle yo and she quickly is pushed out a window and impaled on a statue in a pretty fantastic death. And I was like, okay, this is also doing exactly what I needed it to do. I was like, we are at this level of sort of derangedness that I think worked in moments on death of the Nile, but we've sort of like ramped up the campiness here. And so I, to that point was like, wait, maybe we've maybe like third time's a charm. We've finally figured it out. But I think once you sort of remove Michelle Yeoh and then uh, Tina Fey becomes sort of like the sidekick to Perot. So the two of them are kind of then interviewing these various other suspects. And I think this is where the plot really gets boring because you have the standard like, we got to talk to everybody and get everybody's backstories. But like none of the characters are interesting at all. It's like this doctor who has some PTSD played by Jamie Dornan, but mostly he's just sort of like rocking back and forth in the corner. There's Kyle Allen, who's like the the dead girl who fell off the balconies, like ex-fiance, but he's sort of like he's from America, but he doesn't really have anything going on. Um, there's like a housekeeper. There's Michelle Yeoh's assistant. There's the mother of the girl who fell off the balcony. But like none of them are really doing anything interesting. And then you also have this really weird addition of Jude Hill, the cute angelic boy from Belfast is supposedly playing like this super creepy macabre kid. But the problem is, is that Jude Hill... Well, no, I think that's the issue is that Jude Hill is so sweet and this kid is you're I think at certain points they're supposed you're supposed to kind of think like maybe the kid did it or like or maybe the kid is like sees things or I don't don't know. Like so I, I, I felt like that they were trying like the because Tina Fey sort of at one point says like hanging out with that kid is like eating tinfoil or whatever. Like they want you to think the kid is creepy. And I think they were trying to draw a parallel between the kid and Perot, where it's like they both are like 
traumatized. Like, I think that's like, like, I didn't get the sense that this is trying to like be a red herring where it's like the kid did it. I never thought that. I felt like the kid was meant to be the sympathetic character. I definitely got that. And the people who I was with said the same thing where they (laughs) were like, when we watch it, they were like, yeah, I was worried this was going to be another one of those. The kids kill them kind of a situation because also the whole premise of them of this house is that there's these orphans and that the orphans the ghosts of the orphans are killing people and so it's like maybe like he's in some sort of cahoots with the other orphan ghosts or whatnot <laughs> but it turns out these men i think that what they needed for that role was somebody who, more like a barry keoghan type figure or like um who's the guy will poulter like just somebody who's like a little bit more uh, sort of mischievous looking. Yeah, I don't. I see your point, but I don't know if that was their intention. And I feel like he was cast well because it fit my reading of it. So, well, okay. Well, I don't know, man. So maybe he has good casting. But anyways, <laughs> if if he is good casting, I think he's like about the only good piece of. <laughs> like his character was definitely the most interesting and had the most going on, yeah. whether it worked or it didn't work for you. But the rest of the of the adult cast, I felt like was kind of snoozy. I liked the housekeeper, like the religious housekeeper. I mean, the thing is, I didn't feel like any of these characters were that well fleshed out. Um, But I think her performance was good as well as Tina Fey's and Michelle Yeoh's. Like, I think overall, you know, if you're comparing like Death on a Nile cast, like these people are light years above. And so it was more compelling to watch because at least it wasn't like physically painful to watch them read lines. Um, but my problem was that they weren't given that much to do, you know, like it's like I would have welcomed more drama from Rowena, who's the mother who lost her daughter. Um, and I liked how she was playing it like this sort of like nervous energy. She's just waltzing through this piazza and piazza, um, piazza. and that's not right. Is that plaza? I don't remember. I'm I have no idea. This word. Anyways, um, she's like the poor, struggling ex-artist. So it's like there were bones there that I found interesting. And I liked this like, you know, I could see what they were trying to do, which is like they were making this like meditation on how grief like corrupts. And so you have Jamie Dornan's character who's like PTSD from the war and like, you know, having to – um, rescue a camp of you know uh, Jews from death and and how that impacted him and then his son who's like having to care for his father and like the emotional trauma of that weight and then obviously Rowena's daughter and like the guilt of the the housekeeper blah 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 so it's like I feel like if they'd honed in a little bit more on the connections between the characters instead of adding like splashy jump scares that it could have been stronger I think movies are just scared to be too talky like they all they all have like like moved away from just letting characters but the problem is that this film (laughs) does have a lot of talking in it I know, but I mean, like, there's a lot of like, yeah, because there's so much backstory for all of these people that they have to get through. But the and so I think they try to split that up by having these scenes of them sort of creeping through the house, or like Perot at one point drinks some like hallucinogenic tea, and so starts. Well, I mean, spoiler alert that (laughs) Michelle Yeoh got impaled by the thing, but 
Um, and so he sort of starts seeing things and then it's like, is it a ghost or is it real? Like what's happening? Uh, Cause that's another big question throughout this is like Perot is all facts and Tina Fey's character is sort of saying like, but don't you want to believe in a world where there is some mystery, where there's like something beyond the facts um, and keeps trying to get him to be convinced that there is something out there. Yeah. But, but yeah, I don't. I have I have questions about Tina Fey's character. Like that's the that's the main question mark for me after the uh you know movie. And I feel like this is a good point to get into the spoilers and like explain yes. the who done it because <laughs> I have some follow up questions. <laughs> well, so the whole time I kept thinking, obviously it's Tina Fey who did it because Tina Fey is the one who invited. Perot here, she's sort of like dismissed early on as like couldn't have done it because she's been best friends with Perot and she's the one who's involved with the investigation with him. And then also Perot has this servant who's there. Um, and so I was like, okay, it seems like they're in cahoots because they have some sort of like moments and glances and stuff between them and that they were the killers. And I feel like I thought that fairly early on and I thought, okay, if this is actually the case, this is going to be really lame because this is so obvious to me yeah and we get to a reveal where it is revealed that she and perot or that she and the servant were in cahoots together to try to con why <laughs> now that i'm like why yes exactly <laughs> to try to convince perot to explain it to, <laughs> to trick him she yeah so she's to, a writer. So she she's wanted a writer. she wanted to trick Perot into believing that something was real, so then she could write a book about how she did that. Yeah, right. But it wasn't clear if it was because she's a novelist. She's like the Agatha Christie character, and so she's written like forty books, most of them inspired by Perot. And in fact, she credits herself with like making him famous because her first book was linked to him, and that's how he became the world the best you know problem solver. But yeah, so she and his bodyguard, like, get in on it to get him out of retirement. And that's where I get confused because her explanation is, yeah, we hired Michelle Yeoh to fake you out so that I could have a good book idea. But that would mean a fictional book idea. So it's like if you already had the idea and you already know how to, like, make it happen, you know, convincingly to make a seance, like, seance scary then like why do you need to do it in real life? And then it's like once there's a murder, wouldn't that make you reconsider your <laughs> your plans? Because that supposedly was not part of the plan. Like that was a twist. And so that would be the moment where I would be like, holy shit, like this got out of hand. Here's well, some yeah. of the details you might need, Perot. But instead she's like, I want to see how you work. I'm going to I'm going to be at your side. I'm going to interview these people with you. And it was just like, I guess it why? does sort of like doesn't make sense because, yeah, you get the sense that she she's mad at Pro for retiring because she kept stealing his cases and turning them into books. And her last mm. three that she's come up with on her own haven't done well. So she needs him to have another case so that she can write about it. But if she's yeah, yeah. the bad guy, then then either he a catches her. In which case it doesn't work, or B doesn't catch her. In which, like, yeah. that you have an unresolved you mystery. Have an unresolved <laughs> yeah. I feel like at some point in my mind, 
I was like, oh, she's going to write like some sort of tell all or whatever. Oh, okay. Like a, but, like she goes into nonfiction. She's yes, like, hey, yeah. But I don't, true crime. <laughs> but I can't remember if that's something that she actually says at some point or if that's something that I just like in, inferred. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so then, but then and they're it's caught re- like in the third act, so it's meant to be like, oh, did they kill him? Right, and they get like defensive about it instead of being like, yeah, this got out of hand quick, sir. But instead, she's like, I made you. I should be able to like profit off you. And I'm, yeah, it's confusing what her end game was, because I'm like, this doesn't seem to, like it will work out the way you want it to, no matter how you cut it. Well, especially because she didn't plan the seance but i guess or i mean she didn't plan the murder oh yeah yeah yeah. but i guess if you're thinking about it like okay she planned this seance like who knows what exactly her motives were but then (laughs) once michelle yo's character dies and she knows that she didn't kill michelle yo then she thinks wow okay well here we go here's the next mystery and so there's no point for her like she just has to keep it going because she wants Perot to solve it so that then she can turn that yeah. into her next book. Yeah. But maybe. yeah, but then I don't know why she'd be defensive once he sort of find rats her out. <laughs> yeah. But she's not the murderer. Um and she no. really, really takes a second seat in she takes a back seat in the second half. Um, which is unfortunate because I feel like they could have had more fun with her and like made this quirky, like wannabe crime solver like more interesting sort of like sort of like the character in the lost city with sandra bullock who's like i actually don't know anything like i don't i don't know how to solve this but i want to type thing sort of blustering i think that could have been more fun but that's not really the vibe they were going for and then you get this like monologue as the final reveal which i felt or well first well because well first (laughs) you get a second jamie dornan dies yeah yeah (laughs) And then wait, isn't there a third? Does somebody else die? No. It's just him. Yeah. Well, it's Jamie Dornan. He dies. And yes. they're like, how did he die? He was locked in a room. And it's like, well, I mean, we know who Secret locked passages. him in there. So it's like immediately yes. I knew who had done it. I feel like once Tina Fey was removed from the options, that's when I started to think, oh, this isn't going to be the kid did it. Is yeah. It? Um, well, and there's like a couple of points where they play up this honey, and I'm like, okay, so the honey. Oh yes, no, no. I definitely did get something with the honey because there was there was because they were mentioning that too much. It was Chekhov's honey, but I (laughs) I I guess the thing when you read a lot of mysteries, it's like you sort of know that it can't be one of the actual like suspect suspects because that's boring. Like there has to be some sort of twist, and so I feel like once you get down to the like final set of people it's like okay well now that we've dismissed the butler and tina fey and jamie dornan's dead it's like it could be the housekeeper but that's sort of lame it could be one of michelle yo's assistants but that's sort of lame and so i was like it feels like the only real viable like good options here for a story would be either the kid somehow did it accidentally (laughs) or that the mother did it um and and so yeah then it turns out that the mother did it she sort of had a munchausen by proxy thing with her daughter and with this hallucinogenic honey that led to the daughter like running off the side of the balcony and falling and drowning in the river no, and she she died from too much honey 
she overdosed on honey. <laughs> and so then Rowena is like, well, shoot. Oh, and then not dumped be framed for this. So then she <laughs> she scar- scratched her daughter's body off and flung her off. Oh, the yes, that's right. With the trowel, <laughs> with the garden trowel. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm like, I just now. loved her well, too the, much. The problem is, is that they give you this, they give you like the flashbacks of things that didn't happen. So yeah. me having seen this yeah. like seven, 75 <laughs> movies ago before Tiff was like, yeah, she jumps up. But it's like, no, that was no. a different version. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's It's like a, it's like a monologue and that's that's always tough to pull off because it's not satisfying really and well you get some like uh like flashbacks as yeah, it's happening yeah. but no for sure but i just mean the like essence of a re- the essence of a monologue is delicate because you either want to be able to like point out that none of it matters like in knives out 2 um where it was just funny that it was just badly done or something like bodies 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 where it's like the reveal is actually you kids are delusional or you want it to be like you know, validating for one of your characters, like vindicating. But this one was just kind of like, oh, yeah, here it is. We solved it. Uh, turns out Rowena's a bad mom. Um, and I wish they'd made her more interesting. Like, because I was like, oh, shit, has, has this been a Monchausen situation where she's been making her ill? But it's more that it was like, oh, she was going to get married and that made her sad. So she decided then to become this, like, control freak. And I feel like there should have been more obsessiveness. Like even if it was just like a painting on one of the walls where it was like her clinging to her older daughter, like dressed as a baby doll type thing, you know, like something where it could highlight the broken mind of a person because it almost tries to imply that, oh, I just thought I got a little confused at the end. Like, uh, and I don't think that's as believable as like someone who's been obsessed their whole life, you know? Yes. No, that's true. Because it wasn't like a mommy dearest kind of a... Yeah, and it was like she... And and I was also confused by the motivation because it was like the ex was like, oh, she just wanted to follow her mom around. But then her mom was like, I am a retired performer. So I didn't understand like where the miscommunication happened, like why they couldn't work this one out amongst themselves. But so I feel like if they'd focus more on this girl resenting the boyfriend, like resenting the fiancé, then that could have been more compelling a twist because the person who resented the fiance was the housekeeper who was like, or maybe maybe it's the mom. I can't remember who gave what monologue. Why did they resent the house? Why did they resent? Because the he wanted. He was taking her to he America. Want, yeah, he was going to move to America. He was going to like I take her like away or something. or something. He just wanted her for money. Yeah, I don't know. Huh. It was confusing. Okay. okay. Yeah. Did the but, mom die at the end? Yeah, so then in the end, yes. she's like, she's found out, and she also, <laughs> the final twist is like, why did she kill these other two people? Oh, because they knew about the poisoning. But it was like, yes. it was like this weird twist where it wasn't really a twist because that wasn't true. And we knew that as the audience because we'd already found out why Michelle Yeoh was there. And, and then, so it was like, she's like, well, I was getting blackmailed and I knew it had to be someone who knew about this. So it's like she thought it was Jamie Dornan, the doctor slash love interest. Yeah, she thought she was getting black. Okay, yeah, this is yeah. coming back to me now. And she then thought she thought it she... must be Michelle Yeoh in on it because why else would Michelle Yeoh reach out to her out of the blue knowing yes. all these details? And so she decided to kill them. But yeah. turns out that the blackmailer was actually the little boy. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Oops. 
That's a lot to live with. Because then it shows Jamie Jordan literally <laughs> falling on his sword, which I think like is running the into it. Yeah, way to kill yourself. Like he doesn't even run into it. He lays it on the ground. Like he holds it on the ground. So he's planking, and then he just like sinks into the sword in this like flashback, which is truly brutal and um, and Ugh. honestly sad. He did it because. Rowena was threatening his son, and that's all he had to live for after the, the, his war torn. I mind. feel like stabbing somebody is so hard. Yeah. Like, like I feel like it looks easy in movies, but if you've ever tried to like cut a box or yeah, something, I'm like, be... there's no way that you could just stab somebody. Yeah, it had to be a very sharp knife. Yeah, um, and especially to do it so completely that he wasn't even gasping for breath in the end when people went to find him. Um, but yeah, then Rowena runs up to the balcony. And she's like, I I did it because I love her. And then she maybe falls, maybe is pulled by a jump scare ghost and drowns in the river, in the waters of Venice. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the end of the movie. <laughs> well, then he has to have long talks with everyone. Yeah, then he chats with everybody. The housekeeper adopts the little boy. Yeah. <laughs> no Tina Fey is like, do you believe in God now? Yeah. And and Tina Fey's like, oh, we're still friends, right? And he's like, of course. I know why you did this. And I, I agree. I will not retire. There is still hope in the world. And <laughs> and he gets a new case. Um, so, yeah, it was like fine. I just feel like for me, the the, the twist wasn't satisfying because it wasn't like it didn't solve anything except the mystery, right? Like, I think part of the charm of Agatha Christie's novels is that she is exploring, like, questions of class and she has these different, like, people from different parts of society. And you saw that sort of with Death on the Nile where it's, like, all these different people, like, battling for best. But here it was more just, like, people just accidentally, clumsily got enmeshed in this weird sad mommy daughter plight yeah the i i felt like the movie was sort of fun like i do think it was the best of the three yeah and i did enjoy it and like i said earlier i think like if you're just looking for kind of a halloween mystery like it's a yeah. good vibe also i thought the shots and stuff were were yeah, good really for the pretty. most part and the and the building that they filmed in and everything worked well or I mean I guess it was probably a soundstage but um yeah. <laughs> yeah that that all worked and that the cast did a good job and that the performances were pretty good it just didn't quite like go to anything spectacular yeah and I I'm left wondering like why did we get this after death on the Nile which did poorly and got bad reviews like this i think has done fine at the box office so far and has like better reviews than the first two did but it's still a little bit like what is happening here and like are we gonna get a fourth one it's like yeah i'm sure it's it's honestly they haven't been bad it's not like they've tanked they do well in the movie theaters they do well with audiences like i I bet they do well in like streaming and on planes and stuff like, I think this has the same audience score as the other two. Like, it's a solid B on, like, Metacritic and stuff from the audience. I don't know. It's got a 79% on Rotten Tomatoes, and I think that's better than the first two. Yeah, yeah. At the critic stores might be different. Um, but I think generally people find these, you know, they're comfortable. They're 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 easy. They're, there's no, like, there's nothing 
there's nothing challenging about these films or like risky or even like verbose. Like it's like it is what it is. It's a whodunit. And I think those are comforting in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't mean that like in a condescending way. I think they serve their purpose. They're like a genre film and they're fun if you like if you like a mystery. And I think, yeah, I liked I liked this one in the sense that it was harmless and entertaining and it wasn't like laugh out loud bad like Death on the Nile. Um, it it had strong moments with Michelle Yeoh and the art direction and like the different yeah I thought the I thought the setting was really interesting and like creepy and it worked for that sort of gothic noir style we haven't had in a few decades so overall it was like painless it was just like you could tell by the end this was maybe messed with by less less fine hands than Agatha Christie. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't quite up to her level yeah. as good as it was. Yeah. Like I could have done, I could have done with more like about how Michelle Yeoh's character was a quack or something. Like I feel like there were interesting pieces at play, like with the PTSD and all this, but there was too much going on for any of it to really come together in a way that felt like truly satisfying. The best the best Agatha Christie mystery with Hercule Poirot is Who Killed Roger Ackroyd. But I think that that would be difficult to do for various reasons. Um, and so I'm wondering what they would opt for as a fourth <laughs> one. Maybe they feel cocky here. now that this is the best reviewed and they're just going to make an original. It's just... <laughs> I guess they could. I I sort of think that they wouldn't do that, though. There's so many. I think that they would do what they did here again and, like, pick one that's not well-known and then tweak it a bunch. Yeah. Um, But I think going for mood is helpful, too, because, like, the first two, one's on a train, one's, like, on a sunny boat. Like, I don't know. They're not quite as creepy. I think opting for, like, they haven't done a, like, spooky castle sort of one yet which there's so many of. And I kind of hope that they do like on a dark and rainy night sort of yeah. energy because I think that that would work well. Yeah. I feel like Perot needs to just like embrace his career. And I hope he does that now because I feel like the death on the Nile had a similar plot where it's like, what am I doing this for? Will I ever know love again? Like my mustachioed scarred face is so lonely. <laughs> like I just remember the final scene of the last one being some sort of like romantic yeah. overture, right? And he yes, was and, like, there, and there was something with the scars and that's why yeah. they have the mustache was like Yeah, I remember the black I'm only and the vague white, and like, remember this. Yeah. Flashback to war and me thinking I went to the wrong movie theater. <laughs> Perot's uh, going through it is my point. So I hope yeah, now really he can has. just be like, you know what? This is who I am and I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it with joy. No resisting my destiny. No. Um, but we'll see. Full steam ahead. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, I think that's enough to talk about in this movie, <laughs> unless you have other things to bring up. No. I was going to have my brother-in-law Rory join us because he's a Jamie Dornan stan, um, but he wanted to let everyone know that – I can't even talk about it. it he's obsessed with Jamie Dornan, Dornan's nudes that are available online. I don't know. I don't know. Do with what? that what you will. I just – bring it up with Isn't Rory. Jamie Dornan nude in Fifty Shades of Grey? Yeah, I don't know. It's full frontal. I don't know. It's 
it's the whole thing. Ask Rory about it. He'll monologue about it. So it's probably I good. Can't, he was I don't want to get involved. <laughs> yeah. Thank goodness he's not in this. I liked Jamie Dornan in Barb and Stargo to Vista Del Mar, which I don't <laughs> think has any nudity that I can remember in it. Yeah. Too bad. Clean cut. <laughs> okay, Rory. Get it together. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, we probably won't be back next week, but we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Who knows what movies will be out at that point. Um, I'll have to look at the schedule. I think there are good things coming, yeah. though. I'm like, Killers of the Flower Moon, like, oh, it's so coming good. soon. Yeah. The Color Purple. That's Christmas. I guess we don't have Dune, but, you know, it's like, oh, the new Hunger Games movie, that's, uh-huh. com- we, we have to do that whenever that comes out. Like, there is <sighs> good stuff. Yeah. Okay, fine. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you guys in a couple weeks whenever we're back. Okay, bye.